Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So if um, an everyday person like, you know, myself is saying, to you guys, what can I do to perform better every day? What what would it be? What would your little nugget be? What I would do, George, is I would ask you to come around here and look at the wall behind my laptop where you will see some great words of wisdom from lots of different people. Funny enough, one of them, Fiona's already quoted, which is Think in Ink, Marilyn Monroe. I bet you didn't know Marilyn Monroe said that. Um, Everything is impossible till you make it happen. Nelson Mandela, you can have that one. If there's nobody in your way, you're not going anywhere. Bobby Kennedy. Um, what about the... By, by failing to prepare, you're yeah. preparing to fail. Benjamin Franklin. Um, What's the one about being... Let the racket do oh, the talking, can... John McEnroe. <laughs> <laughs> you can have that one. It's amazing what you... It's amazing what you... Yeah, but that doesn't apply to me. It's amazing what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. Mm, I like that. Uh, what about this one? Ted Lasso. It's never the wrong time to do the right thing. Well, I, I honestly think the cold swimming is quite an amazing <laughs> psychological boost to start the day with. I do. And I, I speak as somebody who's sw- swum in normal indoor pools for most of my life, but it does certainly sharpen up the start of the day. And, and then I do a lot of yoga as well. And I, I've only started that last year. I really got into that in the lockdown when they shut down the swimming pools. And I found now most days I can't function unless I do at least 20 minutes of yoga every day for some reason. So those two things for me are the kind of, I, I'm a vegetarian as well. I don't drink very much. But those two things for me are at the moment my sort of, my sort of touchstones for keeping well. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. How did the pressure of that job, Alistair, sort of manifest itself on a daily basis with somebody who's constantly sort of aware that there's this other thing in the background that might, that might rise up again at any given time? I guess I was what you call self-harming. I was, I was, Fiona and I were out walking on the heath and I just started beating myself up physically. Um, I mean, quite badly, really landing blows on myself. And, and as I was doing it, I was, I could tell that Fiona was scared. I was scared. And I just, I can remember thinking, I've got to sort this out. I can't do this on my, I remember having that thought, you can't do this on your own anymore. Stop trying to do it on your own. Um, I used to think, well, if I'm feeling absolutely shit, I don't see why everybody else shouldn't. And, you know, I think that's something I've learned to try very hard not to do. And the way I've tried to do that is to be, just be very, very open now. I mean, I, I just, I'm very open. As soon as I start to feel myself on a depressive slide, I, the first thing I do is, is tell Fiona, if the kids are here, I'll tell them. Um, if I, if it's, if I really feel like I'm struggling, I'll phone David, this guy that I see, um, and then I do, you know, I have lots of different tactics. Um, I do take medication still every day. I, I, I try and work all the time. If I'm, even if I don't feel like it, I exercise every day and, you know, it's things like you, I might not feel like, you know, going out for four hours on the bike, but I'll try and do half an hour on the bike, or I might feel like not going out on the house, but when the house is empty, I'll walk up and down the stairs for half an hour. I'll just do something. And then I have things like music. I find music incredibly important when I'm not feeling great. I don't read papers. I, I listen to, uh, I read books and I listen to music rather than that. Um, and then, you know, just tr I, I try to retreat into things that I know have helped me through before. Uh, but I think the openness is the most important thing. I really do. I think that has been the key to for both of us, really. Yeah, I think... Um... Well, it was only when I, Alistair wrote this book about depression and they asked me to write the last chapter about what it was like living with somebody who had depression. And it, as I wrote it, I mean, thinking in ink is always very good. And as I wrote it, I could feel myself analysing my own feelings and, and realising that for most of our life together, I, took, I blamed myself for however he was. And he, as he says, he, people who are mentally ill can be quite manipulative. He was quite happy to make me feel guilty. Um, so once I'd realised that, I was wrong, you know, it wasn't, I may have been doing things that exacerbated the situation, but fundamentally it wasn't my fault. Life, it became a lot easier. Funny enough, one of the things that I talk a lot about with my, with David, the psychiatrist, he, he defines my central problem as a never-ending conflict between self and service, between mm. wanting a nice life, looking after myself, you know, really doing things that I want to do, but at the same time, kind of feeling an exaggerated sense of responsibility about the state of the world. And I sometimes, when I'm in a bad way, when the depression and the anxiety are both kicking in, I can literally lie in bed and I can develop a mental process where I become, at the end of it, single-handedly to blame for climate, for climate <laughs> crisis, you know. I could just, and I know it's irrational, 
But when you when you're feeling like that, it's it's a it's a horrible feeling. So that definitely triggered something in me, and I wasn't very good for a while afterwards. Back in the day when I had the first breakdown, I think that drink had played a large. I think I covered up a lot of my other stuff with drink. And I think what I did after that, when I stopped drinking, was to cover it up with work. And so the workaholism, which people who I was working with kind of liked and respected, although to be fair to Tony Blair, he sometimes worried I, I overdid it. But I think that was the way that I dealt with it. So even though it's only when I went back through, when I published my diaries and I went back through them, it's only then that I really realised that it was obvious I'd had quite a lot of quite bad depressive phases, but I just kind of powered my way through them in the main. Um, and the thing about when you're doing something as, as all-consuming as we were doing, it you kind of do have the capacity to do that. But and, and even though it makes you feel terrible and exhausted when you're not doing it, I don't know, I, I know lots of people can't do this and they collapse, but I, I most of the time I was able to keep going. But I think the thing to remember is that Alistair was never diagnosed with anything until 2005, mm. which was two years after he'd left number 10. So it, as time went on, it seemed like the breakdown was a sort of one-off incident. Didn't really feel like he was mentally ill. But looking back now, he's obviously suffered from depression all of his life. And the breakdown was a culmination of a very bad sort of depressive period that was covered up with a lot of alcohol. On the subject then of King Charles III, um, what is the what is the task for him moving forward? I mean, he has to be apolitical now, which he hasn't been in the past, and we've known a lot about his thoughts prior prior to this. Um, what what if you were advising him? What would your advice be to him in the in the sort of days and months and weeks that follow? I look. I, I did an interview with Prince William a few years ago for GQ magazine, and I asked him. George was just a little child at the time, so I said, "Look, there's only really three people." in the country who can sort of genuinely sit around and say to themselves, you know, I either am, in the case of the Queen, or I might be one day quite soon, the monarch. OK, there's only three of you. I said, do you ever sit around, just the three of you, chatting about the job and what it entails and how differently you might do it? And William said, no, we've never, ever done that, which I was genuinely surprised by. He then said, the truth is, you have to work it out. For yourself, you have to work out how you're going to do it. And what that says to me is I I don't think Charles necessarily will become that different. Um, there's a difference between being political and being engaged in political events and debate. And I hope he does carry on saying things that, uh, I mean, what the Queen was very good at is never being defined as as party political. Um, and I don't think Charles, I remember there was one, there was once when we felt Charles was getting a bit too close, we felt defending the so-called forces of conservatism. Mm. But I think he's actually been quite radical on some issues. And I think it'd be a shame if he just sort of forgot that. My advice would be to show, not tell. Mm. And they're very good at that. They're mm. very good at that. I think show, not tell is the way. Don't have raging headlines saying Charles rants at Liz Truss lifting the ban on fracking. <laughs> but you know, out and about on visits, you could you could communicate an awful lot. 
So what about Meghan and Harry? I mean, everyone watches this with, you know, crikey. I mean, most of us are sort of in disbelief at the next thing that sort of occurs in the media. I mean, Alistair, you know more than anybody that relationship with the media. I mean, what, what do you think is really going on there? What is, what is happening here? Is it, is it just that, you know, they want to go away and do their own thing? It feels very much like it's, it's, it's very much in public view. It's not as private as they, as they suggested it might be. I mean, the honest answer is I don't know. Um, and I think one of the reasons that the Queen... My favourite line about the Queen was Tina Brown wrote this wonderful piece in the New York Times. And she said, we're so going to miss not knowing what she thinks. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, if you were advising them, I'm sure you would say, look, you've got to decide what you want to do. Do you want to be a royal? If you don't want to be a royal, stop kind of pretending to be a royal and stop giving in to stop talking about them all the time. I mean, I think that I think they need to kind of shut that side of it down and get on with whatever good works they can do, but not kind of looks to me like they kind of don't want to be royal, but they want to cash in on their royal status by hmm. earning money out of it. And I think that's not a great look for them. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.